I'm sure that many of you wouldn't know this about me, but I'm one of those lucky people who can call themselves the owner of a red Ferrari. I've had it for a few years, and I'm particularly pleased to own it because it took me a long time to save up to buy it. And like all things that are very fine, I try to treat it very nicely. It is, after all, a Ferrari. But at the same time, I don't like to talk about it much. I mean, I'm kind of embarrassed about it, really. It's, it's, it's kind, of, kind, of a, kind of an extravagant thing to own, this red Ferrari. But every now and then, I take it to work, like I did today, because sometimes having it can come in handy. This is my red Ferrari. I have to admit, it doesn't get very good mileage, but that's mostly because it's made of Lego bricks. But either way, it's red, it's a Ferrari, and it's mine. And many years ago, when I served as the chaplain at Havergal College, it was an important part of my ministry, this red Ferrari here. Because whenever I was speaking to the children there about prayer, it made for a great way to distinguish the difference between a prayer and a wish by asking them to consider this prayer. Dear Lord, I would like a red Ferrari. Amen. That should work, right? Because after all, in our second reading tonight, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Close your eyes, click your heels three times. Boom, red Ferrari. That's what prayer is, right? It's kind of like a, a holy wishing. Or is it something else? This gift of prayer is perhaps one of the deepest mysteries that we encounter in the practice of our life of faith. It's something that we're instructed about in the scriptures, both old and new. We see Jesus in prayer numerous times in his ministry, and it's something by the example of scripture that we're encouraged to do routinely in our own lives. Prayers of thanks, prayers of healing and confession, prayers of intercession. This rich Anglican tradition of evening prayer that we observe each week here, and even those silent, unuttered prayers that come from the depths of our souls, the prayers that we don't even know we make that God nonetheless hears. In a world where we believe that God communicates with us in so many different ways, as much through the glory of creation that we see in these spring days as through our faithful study of Scripture, still the way we communicate with God tends to be much more direct and, dare I say, traditional. We talk to God. We pray. Why? Because Jesus told us to. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Don't be fooled. Prayer is a dangerous thing. And perhaps the most dangerous part of it is that it says a lot about what we believe about the God that we pray to, based on the kinds of prayers we offer. When we treat prayer as if it's a wish, versus prayer 
for something that builds up all of us, when we treat it as a wish for something selfish, as opposed to something that will actually improve the world, it's a dangerous thing. Prayer can say that we believe in a God who's not some far-off whatever, but is deeply invested and interested in our lives. Or it can say that God is really only close to those who check the right boxes. It can say that we're willing to empty ourselves of pride and put our lives in God's hand. Or that we're only willing to work with a God who does things our way. Prayer can say that we believe that there's enough of God's grace in this world to spare, or just that we believe God is in the business of granting wishes. It's the two-edged nature of prayer. It's the stuff buried in the fine print that sometimes God might not answer in the way we expect. That's the trust part. That's the emptying part. That's the part that relies on something outside of ourselves. As we consider some of the things that have unfolded in the past week, it occurs to me that there has never been a more important time for us to talk to God and to trust that it works. Because this is a time for prayer. I'm sure that each of us in our own ways have been trying to find the right words to pray amid the ever-growing volume of rhetoric and maneuvering and politics masked as concern that comes at us from every corner. This week has been particularly rough. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you, but I don't think any of us asked for this overcharged climate that we're living in right now. Jesus said, search, and you will find, but I think most of us right now are just looking for the escape hatch. Ask, Jesus says, search, and knock. So we might do well to ask, what are we praying for? What are we looking for? And what do we believe about this God whose door we're knocking on? These are important questions, and even more so when the very idea of God has been co-opted into every political and moral conversation and used like a carrot and stick. And so Jesus says, ask, search, and knock. And then in the parable that follows, Jesus reminds us that it is God to whom we pray and God to whom we look. Because this God is the one who gives us what we need, and never gives us what we don't need. God will not give us a stone when we ask for bread, Jesus says. God will not give us a snake when we ask for a fish. So how much more, Jesus says, does God know how to give good things to those who ask him? God always gives good things. And so this is a time for prayer. This is a time to go beyond just wishing for things to go away, just wishing for the conversation to end because it never seems to. And so we need to actively pray for God to give us good things, to lead us through times that are challenging, to lead us into the Easter resurrection that raises each and every one of us up, to pray that our governments might have intelligent conversations about issues of women's health, 
to assure that women don't have their own bodies and medical care legislated away. And that our own church may let genuine faith and not dogmatic and divisive theology to lead us on issues of sexuality and equal marriage and end-of-life decisions and honest-to-God unity. To pray that what we teach generations that come after us is based on knowing as much as we can about others and not to simply teach people to fear the unknown. It's a time to talk to God and offer our prayer that people who are fueled only by hatred and bigotry might be led to the brighter light of peace. That leaders who use fear and dishonesty to galvanize their base may instead find a greater unity in the language of hope and truth and healing. To pray that anyone who thinks they already know what God wants maybe take some time to talk to God themselves. And that people who keep thinking that a system that benefits the rich will be able to give what only God can take a look and see how many snakes they've got in their backyard right now. And that the broken politics that puts cheap beer in our hands but dirty, rusted needles in the hands of those held captive by addiction, this is a time for prayer. This is a time to trust in God, to be led by the God who gives us good things. Justice will arise in your days and an abundance of peace. I have no idea how prayer works. I just know that it does work because Jesus wouldn't have told us to do something that wasn't going to work. And so I've always been incredibly moved by the words of St. Augustine who wrote, the act of prayer clarifies and purifies the heart and makes it more capable of receiving the divine gifts that are poured out for us in the Spirit. Because in prayer we turn our hearts to God who is always ready to give if we take what is given. Each week in this service of evening prayer, we pray as we did moments ago, O God, make clean our hearts within us, and take not thy Holy Spirit from us. It's a constant, holy repetition of a prayer that we pray daily here in this cathedral, O God, make clean our hearts within us. It's in praying these words, and praying these very words that we hope to find ourselves more ready to receive God's answer to prayer, more ready to receive the Spirit, more ready to be led by God. Let that be our dangerous prayer this evening. Oh God, make clean our hearts within us, not just for ourselves, but for the whole world, that we all might be just a bit more receptive to the ways that God is answering our prayers tonight. Because if we believe that we live in a world full of God's grace, the kind of grace that comes from a God who knows how to give good things to the faithful and not snakes or stones, then we have nothing to fear. The first verse of tonight's psalm, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is gracious, for his mercy endureth forever. Our God does not falter even when we do. Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. And so let us ask. Let us ask God for the things that will make for peace, not for red Ferraris, not for the victory over those we disagree with, but rather for those things that will genuinely restore a broken world. 
and then let us search. Let us search for God's grace at work in the world and point to it every time we find it. Because it's there. It's there, hidden among the noise. It's there when we see glimpses of God's kingdom and not human dominion. It's there when we see liberation taking place rather than slavery and oppression. It's there when the flourishing of the few outshines the prejudices of the many. And it's there, waiting for us when we turn to God in honest prayer. When we find that God is waiting for us with the good things that we so very much long for. Amen.